0: You're listening to episode 59 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about why leaving two bites behind feels hard. I'm Master at Life and Weight Loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. All right. So we are in full swing with the two bites behind challenge. Now, just because the step is simple doesn't mean that it's always easy, right? Just like waiting for true hunger to eat is a simple step. It's not always going to feel easy because there are a lot of times when we're reaching for food because we're bored, stressed, tired, anxious, wanting to procrastinate on a task, not wanting to feel a certain emotion. And so just because the two bites behind is a simple step doesn't mean that it's always going to feel easy to do. And I want to talk today about why that is and a couple reasons as to why the two bites might feel hard. It's very normal to feel like this is hard, but it's not hard because the action is hard. It's hard because of how we're thinking about it. Whenever something feels hard, we always want to start first with what are our thoughts about it we can absolutely look at our process and look at the actions that we're taking. Regardless of what that action is, how hard it feels will always stem from our thoughts. There are going to be some people who will do a keto diet or the Whole30, and they'll feel like, oh, this is so easy. There are going to be other people who are going to feel like this is really hard. It has nothing to do with what you're eating or not eating, and it has everything to do with how we're thinking about it. A lot of times it's going to feel hard, If we feel restricted, we have to give up our favorite foods, we're not allowed to eat this stuff, we're missing out. It's our thoughts about it that make it hard. So in order to dive into this, we want to look at a couple of aspects. So number one, it can feel hard because it's just not a habit yet. So you forget to do it, right? This is very normal. This is a new action that you're looking to take. It's not fully ingrained in you, and it takes a lot more conscious effort to remember to do it. And so often we're eating more from our habit brain than from our thinking brain. Even when our meals feel methodically planned out and we're being very conscious of like, all right, am I hungry? Am I satisfied? We might be thinking a lot about food and wanting to stay on track and our weight loss goals. But when we are in the action of eating, that can be done more from our habit brain. And often we do what we've always done we cleaned our plate, we ate the full portion. We didn't stop to question, how hungry am I now? How satisfied am I halfway through the meal or towards the end of the meal? And this can happen whether we're with other people or we're by ourselves. Because even when we're alone, eating our food doesn't mean that we're always thinking about the food. We're often thinking about what else we have to do, or I hope the kids aren't beating each other up, or I've got to go and get an oil change later today. We've got a lot of other things that are on our mind as to what's going on, that a lot of times we're just not as focused on relaxing and enjoying our food especially if this has ever been a bad food or something that's been off limits. We want to hurry up and eat it quickly because we feel shame and guilt around eating it. And we want to get those emotions over with quickly. If you feel like you're doing a bad thing, that can often trigger us to eat faster and to not pay attention to, am I leaving some food behind? So just from the basic standpoint, though, habits are going to take about 120 days in order to really create a solid habit. So it's four months of doing it day after day. Give yourself some grace and compassion and trusting that it's not going to happen on the first day. It may not happen on the first week. You might forget a lot of times. That's okay. There were numerous times when I would remember first thing in the morning and I would totally forget to leave my bites behind later on that afternoon, just a few hours later. Or there could be times when I'd be making a meal and then sit down to eat it and I would still, again, forget to leave bites behind just 30 minutes later. So it's just not a habit yet. That's okay. We want to start to look at what else might be going on. I think for me, one thing that I noticed was I don't want to leave bites behind because this is the best part and I would save the best for last. And that was a big piece as to why I felt like I didn't want to leave the last couple of bites because in my brain, these are the best bites. I was the kid who would eat all of the cereal out of the Lucky Charms and then just leave the marshmallows for the very end. So it's almost like You're asking me to give up eating the marshmallows in my Lucky Charms by leaving these last two bites. It's, oh, no. And that was the thought was, this is the best part. And so by recognizing this, I then was able to tune in and start to look at, oh, okay, if I'm saving the best for last, what if I went ahead and ate the best first and flipped it? So now it gives us something to work with. Now I can go ahead and start looking at how do I solve the real problem? So we want to be looking at our thoughts. it can be thoughts about why this doesn't feel like a habit, why we don't want to do it. And two of the biggest thoughts that come up are going to be around wasting food and wasting money. So let's start with the fear of wasting food. And I'm just going to use the term throwing away because we can still save food. We can put it in a little container, stick it in the fridge. We don't have to actually throw that food away. I just want to be clear. But for this example here, we want to look at your, quote, wasting food. That's the thought is I'm wasting food by not eating these last two or three bites and by throwing it away. So you might have some other permission giving thoughts like, well, I should clean my plate or it's wasteful to throw this away or there are starving children somewhere on the opposite side of the world. So I should make sure that I eat this. And that last one really gets me because I'm like, wait, what? You overeating does not fill their belly. Okay, what actually would make more sense if you wanted to help starving children around the world is to stop overeating, stop buying so much food and use that extra money to then donate to them and send money, send food, do what you can to support nonprofits. But you overeating does not prevent them from going hungry. We need to stop thinking that somehow that's a good excuse or a good justification as to why we should be overeating because it's not. Our thoughts around food and not wanting to waste food can often come from real food scarcity. So, it could have been something that you experienced directly. It could have been something that a close caregiver experienced, like a parent, a grandparent, another close relative. So, it could be things like war, famine, poverty, even something like living paycheck to paycheck and feeling like I don't know when we're going to eat next. So, we need to be very careful and we need to indulge and consume here. If we just think about this for a moment, too. When you think about World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, there was a lot of trauma that we as a nation experienced that was likely never addressed. And there's real reasons why our parents or grandparents said and had rules like, you clean your plate. You don't leave any food on there. A lot of times I've heard stories of people who have been punished for leaving food on their plates. That was such an extreme thing to where, no, that is so absolutely bad. You cannot do that under any circumstances that you are now punished when you leave food behind. And it can create a lot of trauma that we then internalize around food, not because we necessarily experienced it, but because of how other people in our lives experienced it. And so we don't need to blame them. We just want to use this as a place of understanding. Oh, of course, my grandmother is going to have a lot of thoughts, a lot of mind drama around food and what it means to waste food or to indulge in food. It's normal that she's going to have these thoughts. It's normal she's going to have these rules. It's normal that I'm going to pick that up as a very young kid. We lived in a third world country when I was in high school. <laughs> it was, I don't know that it was technically considered third world, but there were days when we'd have electricity for maybe an hour to an hour and a half in the morning, maybe at one to two hours in the evening. So we didn't have constant electricity. It was three, maybe four hours a day. There were times when we didn't have running water. We didn't have gas. Things that we typically don't experience here in the U.S., But there was also a lack of certain foods that were available. So when we could get them, it felt very indulgent. When we could bring them back in our suitcases, when we had our American cereal or Pop Tarts or just these different ingredients, things like peanut butter was very hard to find. Actually, I don't think we found it at all. (laughs) If we did find it, it was because a package got stolen and then it was being resold. (laughs) And that's how we found it. So just recognizing that we could have different experiences around There being some scarcity around certain types of food, food that feels indulgent or special. We create this special meaning around food and we make food the center of it rather than the special occasion or the people. So back when we were living abroad that first time, I think my mom actually felt guilty for moving us there because I don't think she was expecting that. And then she was thinking, oh my gosh, I brought my kids here. They don't speak this language and the school is different and everything. I think she was afraid she was probably traumatizing us. And so in her mind, she was also thinking, the least I could do is get them some Pop-Tarts. The least I could do was get them Lucky Charms and allow them to eat it for breakfast. As like, well, at least I could do something nice for them or something that reminds them of home. Just noticing how different experiences can impact people differently. And there can be different thought processes around it. Where my mom was not trying to create any scarcity around food, her thoughts were very much like, Oh, I can give them something that I know that they'll really like, or I can give them something special or something unique, or because we don't have it that often here, we'll get it. I think it was the first day when we got into the country, my dad went out to go look for donuts and they didn't have donuts. And I thought that was going to be a weird thing for them to go find, but he went out to go look for it with one of my sisters, anyways. And they came back with baklava. Yes, like the Greek pastry dessert. (laughs) He came back with baklava and we had baklava for breakfast. Never in a million years. If we were living in the U.S., would my parents have given us baklava for breakfast or any other dessert for that matter? But I'm assuming his thoughts were, we couldn't find donuts. This was the closest thing I could find. (laughs) It's a special treat. Let me get them something because the night before when we got into the country, I believe we got in at midnight, 1 a.m. We'd been traveling for hours. We had a 12-hour layover in Turkey. It was a crazy adventure. We finally get there. And there's no electricity. We have to climb up eight flights of stairs in order to get into the apartment. And I think we did that at least once, if not twice, trying to get everything up. And so I don't know if my dad felt bad that we just had such a crazy experience that first night. I don't know. But we had baklava for breakfast. And this is a little side tangent from wasting food, but it's more of like how we can indulge and make food special and make it a treat. And when it's special and a treat and we want to have it more often, we're not going to want to waste it when we were there, candy bars were like the comfort food. So a lot of times we would go and we'd try to find an English video or movie or something like that. We'd go get a candy bar and we would go home and we would watch the movie and eat our candy. And this became a very regular routine those first couple of weeks. And I would often save little pieces of my candy bar. So if I would get Milky Way or a Snickers or you know something like that, it was a lot of American style candy bars, but it tasted a little bit different. I don't know. Totally another topic. But I would save parts of it. So I might save half one night. I might save a quarter, a third. I usually probably didn't save as much as half, but I would save some. And I would stash the candy bars in in my room. And by stashing, I would just put them (laughs) in one particular area, like in a cabinet or on a little table or something. And I would just have little bits of candy bars for whenever I might want them in the future. And one day when my dad walked in and he started teasing me for leaving the candy bars behind, for leaving these bites of candy bars, and he called me a miser. And started taunting me as if I'm this miser for not eating all of my candy bar and saving them for later. So I I looked this up because a miser is a person who hoards wealth and spends as little money as possible. So he was saying that's what I was doing with these candy bars. There was encouragement that I should be eating the entire candy bar. It was wrong or bad to not be eating the entire candy bar when really I think I should have been praised as, wow, you did such a good job. You had this whole candy bar and you chose to save some. You listened to your body. You listened when you were satisfied. You decided I've had enough for tonight and I'll save this for another time. What a great healthy habit for a teenager to get into. Nope, totally the opposite. It was shame and judgment. Who do you think you are? Look at you, you miser, for hiding these candy bars and for storing them and keeping them. And threats feels like a strong word, but a threat as to, oh, I'm going to go and raid your candy stash. Or, if, oh, if anybody needs any candy, we can just go raid Jill's room. And this is getting me down a whole other tangent. But it's like they're created this sense of shame of like, I am doing a bad thing and I am a bad person because I am listening to my body and saving some food and I'm not eating at all. There can be shame when we think about leaving two bites behind. And sometimes it comes in the form of our thoughts about money, our thoughts about that food and what we should and shouldn't be doing. Sometimes it comes from experiences that we can have personally. So that's my whole point here. It can also come from diet trauma, where the food was restricted, especially the food that tasted good. It was forbidden. It was off limits. You shouldn't eat it or you should eat it as little as humanly possible, which created an even greater emotional attachment to food and often increased our binging. It increased our overeating. And so when that happens, when we have increased diet trauma and that good food was restricted, it's going to feel a lot harder to just have a little bit and to leave a couple bites behind because I'm not going to get this again for a long time. Who knows when I'll eat this cheesecake again? Who knows when I'm going to get this meal? I've got to go back to my diet tomorrow. And really, this comes down to not having peace with food and not allowing certain foods. And so that's how the food restriction increases our overeating. We don't want to when the next day we know it's going to get taken away. The real shame here is that we choose to waste food by eating it when we're already satisfied because we're so afraid of wasting food by throwing it away or even putting it in the refrigerator. Okay, and I'm not talking about throwing out entire meals for kicks and giggles. I'm talking about throwing away two to three bites of food because you've had enough. I'm talking about throwing away those leftover half-eaten bits of chicken nuggets and french fries that your kids are done with. We need to be on the lookout for some thoughts. Things like, it's not enough to take home. You might as well eat it now. Or, it's not going to taste as good tomorrow. You might as well eat it now. I've had all of these thoughts in the last year. So, no shame, no judgment. I have these thoughts, too. It's okay. We just want to be aware of them. Because eating is an action. And there's always going to be a thought and an emotion that precedes it. And if the thought is, well, I want to avoid doing a bad thing or experiencing this bad emotion, then, of course, we're going to be eating. Okay, so we really want to question this concept of wasting food because we also live in a very hyperproductive, hyper-efficient, hyper-scarce society where we have to be super efficient with our time and super efficient with food. And, oh, we can't let anything go to waste. And even just that word of waste has such a strong emotional connotation, and it can feel very shameful. It can induce a lot of guilt in us and a lot of shame. So we want to be aware of the language that we're using around it too. Are you willing to put two or three bites of food in the trash? Or are you much more willing to put your hopes and dreams and your weight loss goals in the trash? Something's going in the trash. What's it going to be? Is it going to be the food that you don't need, that your body physically does not need? Or is it going to be your weight loss goals? But one of them's going. You get to choose which one. The sad part is that I see so many people who would rather throw away their weight loss goals than throw away food. And by food, I mean half-eaten little bits of, like, scraps that you might give to the dogs. So, number one, there was wasting food. Then we also get into the fear of wasting money. Now, if you missed episode 16, The Biggest Way We Sabotage Weight Loss, go back and listen to that one because I do a deeper dive into money. And I'm going to be talking about this topic again here in a couple of weeks. It's going to come up a little bit. We have a relationship to money because we have thoughts about it. So just like we have a relationship to food or exercise or our bodies because we have thoughts about those things, we have a relationship to money. And a lot of times we grow up with these thoughts. So these thoughts are downloaded when we are five, six, seven years old, and we are just learning what's right and wrong, what makes sense, what's good and bad. We are absorbing everything around us like a sponge. And so we learn things, we learn these beliefs about money, just like we do about food, from our family of origin, from religion, from influential people in our lives. So it might be parents or grandparents, family members, pastors or priests, teachers, coaches. You might have learned that making money is hard work. It's hard to make money, or it's hard to keep money. Money doesn't grow on trees. You might have heard, well, we just don't have money for that, or we don't have enough money. You might have heard things like, that's too much money. People with money are evil and take advantage of others. People with money are greedy or selfish. Money or the love of money is the root of all evil. So we can create and adopt a lot of these thoughts and beliefs around money that may not serve us. So these thoughts create a lot of emotion. Things like greed, discomfort, discontent, scarcity, urgency. And so in an attempt to not feel these negative emotions, you find yourself Overeating because you don't want to waste it. Because it's not just, I don't want to waste the food, it's, I can't waste the food because I can't waste the money. And I want to just take a moment here to note that when I think about wasting food or wasting money, I remember I was eating some buffalo chicken dip and this thought came up. This was about two years ago. And even for me, this thought came up of, oh, but I don't want to waste it. It was like a couple of bites that were left in my bowl, two, maybe three. And that was my thought was, but I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste the money. I don't want to waste this food. And when I really stopped to think about it, it was probably 25 cents worth of food that was in this little bowl. It was very minimal. Okay, it was not that much. I was done. I'd had enough. I had my germs all over it. (laughs) And it wasn't worth saving. But in an attempt to not feel bad, to not feel guilty or shameful, it's going to be a lot easier to eat. It's going to be a lot easier to just go along with what we've always thought than start to believe new things. This might sound like, well, I better get my money's worth. A lot of times I hear this when people talk about all-you-can-eat things or buffets. I have to get my money's worth. I better eat it all. I better drink it all. It's free or someone else is paying for me. You might have thoughts around like if you go out to a nice steakhouse and you're like, it's a $50 steak. I'm not wasting this. But I got to get my money's worth. I got to eat it all which can easily devolve into then eating after other people, eating their food, eating your kids' leftovers, and you give yourself all of the extra junk. You waste food in your body instead of wasting it in the trash or simply taking it home. There have been numerous times when I have probably had two or three bites left and I decided to take it home. Okay, it's not a problem. I think sometimes we're worried of what other people are going to think or how they're going to judge us. Don't worry about that. You don't have to throw away entire meals. It's not what I'm saying here. You can always put it away. You can always take it home. We just really want to be aware of when we are giving ourselves permission to overeat and to waste food in our stomachs and on our ass instead of throwing it away. A couple other things here to note. As you lose weight, your body simply needs a little bit less food. Okay, so you can do keto or you can fast or you can do the whole 30. But if you're constantly overeating, you are either A, not going to see the results that you want, Or B, you're going to plateau after 10 or 20 pounds, get frustrated, and eventually give up. This is often what happens when it comes to stalls and plateaus. You weigh 170 pounds, but you keep eating as if you weighed 200 pounds. We're not truly listening to our body. And so two bites behind puts in a small step to lovingly question and gauge your hunger and gauge your satiety. Have you really had enough? It gives us a point where we can start to question, am I emotionally eating here? There was a time when I first started intermittent fasting and I was doing it more for other health reasons. But I was also thinking in the back of my mind, but it'd also be great if I lost a couple pounds. If I lost four or five pounds, that would be pretty awesome. So it may not have been my primary focus, but it was also a benefit that I was hoping for or like a side result (laughs) that I was looking for. I didn't lose any weight. I weighed the exact same amount. I still probably consumed the same amount of food in an eight-hour span than I was previously in a 12 or 15-hour span. Okay, so just because we are following a certain meal plan or we're following a certain diet or certain diet rules doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to lose weight. And this is where we want to check that. What got you here isn't going to get you there. And a lot of times in the beginning, if you've got 40, 50, 60 pounds to lose or more, You can keep some of your emotional eating. You can keep some of your overeating and you can still lose weight. But the more that you lose, the more that you have to clean up the little pieces. Now, when I only had five pounds to lose, I really had to focus on the little pieces to clean up. It was the small overeating, the small emotional eating. It wasn't these big binges as much. It was much more the small habits that I really needed to work through. And that's what the two bites behind is going to allow you to do. This challenge may trigger some cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is when your brain tries to hold two competing beliefs at once. So the thoughts might be, well, I want to lose weight, but I also don't want to be wasteful. I don't want to waste the money, or I don't want to waste the food. And they can feel like they're at odds with one another. And so the result is that the stronger belief always wins. And the stronger belief is often going to be the belief that you've held the longest. Even though we might have a strong desire to lose weight, That desire to not waste food or not waste money might be so strong, so deeply ingrained, so long-held, that one is going to win out. It might also just be the one you've had the longest, you've had since you were a young kid. It's not going to change overnight. And this is how our brain is wired. It's how we've survived and stayed alive as a species as long as we have. We just want to start to now work with our brains, work with our bodies. How do we make Two Bites Behind feel easy? Step number one, we really want to work on our thoughts and our story about throwing food away. What would you rather throw away? A couple bites of food or your weight loss goals? We really just want to question this. When the old thoughts come up, we need to have compassion and remind yourself that this is something you used to think. These old thoughts, they're going to keep coming. We can have habits with our actions just like we can have habits with our thoughts. And so it's very normal that our old thoughts about throwing food away or money or wasting food, those are all still going to come to the surface because it's a habit, because we're used to, to thinking those things. So we want to have some compassion and just remind yourself, this is something I used to think, or this is a story I'm working to change. And then we want to create a list of new thoughts that you want to have about food, throwing food out, saving food for labor- later and consciously review it every morning, being very aware of here's how I want to be thinking about money. When we really start to recognize that I can waste food in my body by overeating, it puts a new spin on things. A lot of times people haven't thought of it from that perspective. They haven't thought about how we can waste food by eating it. But if you are not truly hungry and you're eating food, you are wasting food. We want to preempt the action and really go to what are our thoughts about this? What are your most common excuses and justifications to not leave those two bites behind? We need to identify that first, and then we need to look at a new story. How can we rewrite this story? The real key is to challenge some of these unconscious and adopted beliefs that you've had for a long time and really start to take ownership and take back that power of having control over your own thoughts. This is how we're going to have power over our actions. If you would like some help with this, then I would love to chat. You can schedule a free consultation at www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule and find a day and time on my calendar that works for you. And we'll spend some time really digging into where you are now, where you wanna be in six to 12 months, and what's really getting in your way. Because I guarantee it's not the food rules. It's gonna be knowing what to focus on, what not to waste your time with, And what's getting in the way of that? What's getting in the way of you leaving these two bites behind? What's getting in the way of you listening for true hunger? That's what we want to focus on. This is how we start to solve the right problem. Because food is never the problem, which means that a new set of diet rules can never be the solution. We always want to look at how we are getting in our own way, how we might be making things harder on ourselves. Because that means we get to be the solution now. I don't need anyone or anything else to change. I get to be the solution, and I want to help you see how you can be the solution to your own life. All right, this was a a bit longer than I was originally expecting, but I hope this was helpful. Have a great week, everybody. Here's to creating the body and life you crave.